I apologize that my fan is on in the background for this episode, but it's um, a harder day today, so I'm letting myself have that uh, instead of turning it off. Um, Having a fan on like that is like a, it's a comfort thing. I've had a fan like this since I was in high school, so. Um, you may understand why I may need comfort things today, judging by whatever I end up, um, titling this episode. Um, but it, today is the eight year anniversary, I guess. I don't know what else to call it. It's not really an anniversary per se, but like in the positive sense, but whatever. Anniversary of my dad dying um which is a very complicated thing especially when you have the outrageously complicated like relationship that my dad and I had and I feel like this is something that a lot of people who have um abusive parents uh even if they don't like sexually abuse you like my dad did that doesn't really matter it's still like a very complex thing and when they die it's always super hard um but I feel like for me it's also been very weird because um because the way that I look at him has changed so much in the last eight years and I think that this is something that happens for people like I seriously doubt that I am the only one that has been able to like actually like work through the things that their abusive parent did to them after they were dead um so I wanted to talk about that because I don't really see a lot of people talking about that but I feel like it's a really important thing because it's very very confusing um like in the beat like the the first like two years of when I went back to treatment and started this whole process it was so confusing on days like on like today and in like in almost two weeks is his birthday too which sucks ass as well um for the same reasons and it was it felt like there were like two different people um almost and in my mind of like who my dad was and I was trying to and trying to like reconcile both of those people when they're completely polar opposites <laughs> basically was is was so confusing and so hard because um, like the main thing with this situation is like when you're someone with the amount of child abuse a lot of child abuse we end up like suppressing a lot of things especially when you have like an enabling parent like my mom around who like reiterates and reinforces this idea that like the abusive parent is like a sad little baby who needs to be loved and can you can never like abandon him and like actually hold him accountable for things and all that kind of stuff being in that environment where you you know that you're you can't talk about the things that they actually did to you um you end up repressing a lot of things 
and kind of going with like the family narrative like it's you can't really go against the family narrative of something like this without like also going against the family and then you know going through the whole process of what I've done since then of cutting my mom out of my life and separating myself a lot from my family um but that's pretty much the only thing you can do when you get to that place really is that the family like narrative for my dad was that yeah he was messed up and made a lot of mistakes but he was like somebody that we should never abandon and was still a good person and I was and he was better the last couple of years of his life which I'm still thankful for that the he got dementia which is what he basically died from and um he died when he was 64 which is quite young and um the last like year ish of his life he was in a nursing home and, um, and so the last, like, five years or so of his life was when he started, like, dementia was showing up a lot more, and it, where it, like, changed his personality, where all of a sudden, instead of being so angry all the time and yelling at everyone constantly and just being a horribly abusive piece of shit, he suddenly just, like, stopped really talking that much, and, like, all of the anger he felt just, like, went away. And then he was just, like, this nice person to be around. And so, like, I'm so thankful for those last few years. Like, I'm glad that the last few years were at least somewhat positive because at least there was something, like, somewhat good that came out of it. Even if during those years I was, like, suppressing everything that he had done to me, at least there was some, like, positive things that happened at the end so that when he did die it wasn't as difficult as it could have been like right after he did um so the thing about but anyway what I'm trying to say is that like the last few years were better and like actually somewhat positive so when he died I was like I was, like, sad about the fact that he died and that I was never going to see him again. And, like, one of the things that used to, like, make me really sad was thinking about, like, that I was only 20... I was 29 at the time, because this was eight years ago, um, that I was 29 and that my dad had already died, which was... It's pretty young for a parent to die when you're still in your 20s, even if it was almost to my 30s and so I used to get really sad and like overwhelmed thinking about how long it would be before I would ever like see him again and like now it's like you better fucking like be ready when you see me again because that shit's gonna be interesting (laughs) um you better fucking run because at this point (laughs) um But yeah, like, that's what I mean by, like, the way that I felt, like, remembered him or would think about him because of how much my mom really, like, gaslit and manipulated me into believing, like, the family narrative about him as, like, a nice, good person. And, like, and the positive memories that I do have with him, because that's the horrible thing about people who are horribly abusive this way, especially when there's family members, is that there's still, like, positive memories with these fucking people. Um even even through like 
you know, all of the, most of it being horrible, there are some, like, positive things, and so I would remember those positive things and how I felt for most of my life and how I felt when he died and like the couple years after he died and then compared to how I felt after I went back to therapy and started actually working through everything he did to me and it was like polar opposite and it was really hard to reconcile it's very hard to like reconcile like the side of me that was sad like remembering how I felt then how sad I was compared to how I feel now where I'm like well fuck that guy and I wish I could see him again just to, like, yell at him and, like, punch him, maybe. <laughs> um, and, like, feeling sad, there is, like, still sadness, but it's a very different sadness. It, it's, like, a sadness of I'm sad that that was my dad's life, that, like, he was never able to, like, get his shit together at any point in his life to, like, stop everything from destroying the way that it did that he never could like realize what he was doing that he did all of these things to me and my sister and even my mom somewhat and um like it is it's sad to think that he went through all of that and like repeated family like abusive patterns and was not able to stop himself from doing any of that or like pulling himself out of that cycle ever like that's and, like, he died, like, my mom and me and my sister were, like, the only people that really saw him, like, the last however many years of his life, because granted, he was a piece of shit to everybody, so that was why, but, like, it's still sad to think that, like, he didn't have any friends, his family, like, his family did go to see him before, right before he died, which was good, but, like, you know, it was, things with this family was very strained, um, and he didn't have any friends or anything like that. So, like, he was so isolated because, like, granted, he basically forced that by being, like, so horrible to everybody. But it's still a sad thing to see somebody um, who did that to, them, to their life instead of just figuring out a way to not have that happen. And, like, granted, when I think about my mom, she's not, like, that different. Like, she doesn't really have... She has, like, friends, but they're never, like... She... Like... This is, like, an abusive parent thing, I guess. Maybe. I, I know that there are abusive parents who have actual, like, friends, and they just are able to kind of, um... Only show them a certain side. But, like, at least with my abusive parents... I, they never had, like, like, a core group of friends, ever. Like, I, like, I always see in, like, even, like, sitcoms or TV show, like, TV, a sitcom is a TV show. Hello. Sitcoms, movies, like, books, or just hearing from other people that, like, there's this idea of, like, your parents having, like, like, your mom having, like, a group of of friends that were, like, her best friends that she would still, like, go out and talk to, or your, or, and, like, your dad would have, like, if you want to be, like, super gendered about it, like, a, the mom having a bunch of, like, girls, and the guy having a bunch of, and the dad having a bunch of, like, men that they would spend, like, their own time with doing, like, whatever bullshit gender-related tasks, um, <laughs> uh, to hang out, but, like, neither one of my parents ever really had that, like, my mom had, 
a couple like friends that she had known for a while but it would we went like like years sometimes without seeing those people um so it was like how close could they be when we've gone like that long without seeing each other you know it was like they didn't have like any sort of real support system either one of them did they didn't have like um they had like my mom had people sometimes like when ironically when the abuse was at the absolute worst she she was like involved in like the church we went to which is some of the most like crazy ironic things to think about and so she had like a core group of of women from the church that we used that she would go to like meetings with all the time and we would go to their houses and stuff around like thanks not thanksgiving around christmas and stuff and we did that she did like weekly like meetings with them and bible study sort of shit and but that only lasted for a couple years and then it just and then it didn't um but yeah neither one of them had that just me thinking about that so yeah like I wanted to talk about just how confusing that whole process can be and that it's okay if you don't know what the fuck to do when when you're either when you're like me and your parent who was abusive died and now you're like reconciling it so the who you were when they died and all those emotions you can remember them but they're so far gone from who you are it's like how did how do I it's so confusing to remember those memories and then remember how you feel now and they're not even it doesn't even feel like it's the same person or even just the whole process of when your abusive ass parent dies how to like how to just handle that but for me I wanted to also the main thing I wanted to talk about is just the idea that like sometimes your parent dying when they're that when they're this abusive is almost the best thing that could ever happen to you and that's like a statement that is not something that a lot of people in society agree with but it doesn't mean that it's not true it just it just is sometimes depending on how horrible they are with you them dying is the thing that like sets you free which is what happened with me So I wanted to talk about my own experience with that. Like the experience of how him dying basically led me down like this path. It's like earlier today I posted something on Instagram, I think, about how like this is basically the eight year anniversary of me starting down the path of like trauma recovery and like self healing, even though it took it took a long time to get to the point where I could actually start doing it. Like it was, there was a four year gap between when my dad died and I actually went to therapy, but that's really when that journey began was when he did die. And, um, because for me, if you can't like, guess just from what I've said about how he died already, he was very, 
different from who he used to be the last like couple years like five years basically of his life he was really skinny like he had he got colon cancer in like the year before he died and it was all they had to do was basically like get surgery to take the get the tumor out of his body so that wasn't actually the reason why he died ironically um he just died because he had dementia and I think he was tired he got a cold that turned into pneumonia and then the pneumonia got so far that he kept having to use oxygen until he finally his lungs were just like giving out and he died um to be specific about it but um he was very he was like this small like frail person who couldn't walk who had to use a wheelchair and um he wasn't he hardly was ever angry anymore um there were some times when he would get confused because he had dementia that he would but it wasn't ever like him being a jerk it was just him being confused most of the time and every time I saw him he would say he would just he would always tell me that he loved me and um there was never anything negative from him and like that is such a different picture from everything else I probably have ever said on here about him um that's very different from the person he was for the rest for like the whole rest of my life like one thing that was interesting was that the friends that I had in high school that um, I stopped being friends with in 2020, uh, we there was a couple years from like 2006 to like 2010. Those years um, was when we weren't uh, we like kind of fell away from each other for a while before we started being friends, especially in 2011 and 20 especially 2012 we started hanging out again on a regular basis and in those like five or six years was when my dad got like dementia stuff started happening and he was a very different person and so they would ask me like they would see pictures of him we posted on social media and be like is he okay because of how skinny he was and they would tell me how different he was because they knew him from like all those years before and knew what he was like and were like and were asked genuinely asking me like what is going on with him and you and him because they knew how horrible that was um and that's that it's it's impossible it's almost impossible to try to even bring up much less like work through in like a trauma recovery healing whatever like idea of the way that somebody horribly abused you when they're sitting there as like a frail like skinny person in a wheelchair it's just that is so hard to do like I honestly if anyone has ever done that I don't know how people have done that if they have like because that's it's so hard to like hold people accountable like as you know when you're like the scapegoated person especially and you're used to just kind of letting things go and thinking that everything was your fault it's you like want to fall back into that habit of just thinking that it's your fault not anyone else's and it's it's like impossible to go against kind of your family 
it's so hard to go against your family and like realize that that you not putting up with this anymore and actually trying to work through your trauma so that you can be happy will mean that you won't you'll you'll lose your family but it would be even harder to do that when the person that you that hurt you so much that you're trying to hold accountable is this like frail little person with dementia who is in a wheelchair that can't do anything to anyone anymore um and so because of that I could never I don't like I see like his today like him dying as like the anniversary of when I started my whole healing journey because I could never have I don't think I ever would have been able to do all that I've done if he was still alive like I know that sometimes people that I've met in real life um they'll ask me like how have you been able to do this like how did you like how are you able to cut your mom out of your life like I remember especially when I went into my in my outpatient treatment program there were people in that program that were trying to get to the point where they could do that and um and they like used to look at me almost as like this like god or something like how did you do that before you even got into a place like this that could like help you figure out how to do it and I was just like I don't I don't know I just did it like I guess I had a breaking I think everyone in my at least in my opinion every like scapegoated person has a breaking point and when you reach that point you're just so done like you could not be more done everything is over it's it's done with there's no like going back after that and like granted I put up with a lot um way too much before I finally reached that point with my mom but I think part of the reason why I was able to do that the way that I did um and, like, do that and, like, never really change my mind about doing that, like, in that whole process is because my dad isn't alive. Like, he's not here. I never have to worry about seeing him. He can ne- he can't call me. He couldn't text message anyway. <laughs> but, like, he, even if he was alive, but still, like, he can't contact me. He's not around, like, saying anything about me. He's not around like, talking to my mom, talking to my sister, talking to any family, it's just, I, personally, I think it's easier to kind of go through that whole process of talking about things that someone has done when they're not here, because it just makes everything more clear-cut, and, like, some of, like, the back and forth, um, that does happen when you do that, um, when they're trying to, like, almost get people on their side doesn't happen because he's not here like at the same time that obviously there's some things with that that are very difficult like I've gone back and forth a lot with like telling people on his side of the family um like I haven't told his brother um his oldest brother like anything and I don't want to unless he like legitimately asked me point blank and I don't have a way to like get out of it I'm not gonna tell him because because he's dead (laughs) like it's a lot harder imagining telling people about something like this after they're already gone so they don't even have like the option to like try to talk to him about it and ask him 
from his own perspective like what the fuck happened and things like that like that's part of what makes it good for me but it also that also makes it difficult with imagining even telling anyone from his side of the family if I ever would like that I didn't that's why I've only basically told like his sister and that's it um because I don't know how to do that that's like a whole other level too um but I do think that that's part of why I know that that's why I was able to do everything that I've done is because he's not around anymore and I get like in this cycle of getting frustrated with myself of remembering like when I think about my 20s I just I almost feel like it was wasted time like I know that it wasn't like I know that everything that I went through in my life before 2018 when I went back to treatment and actually started this whole thing was basically like a whole process of me getting so that I could get to that point in 2018 and do that like I know that like because the amount of um the amount of abuse that I was under and the amount of pressure then after that that I was under to like keep it all a secret and to like not mess up the status quo was like super intense I can I can definitely see that from the outside now now that that's over with and um and so I know that that that's true but it's still like hard for me to remember my 20s and just wish that I would have started that this whole process then um in like some alternative universe where I could have done that when my dad was still around um but I I but I what I'm trying to say is I get in this cycle of like being like what the fuck is wrong with me why didn't I do this in my like 20s like a lot of there's so many people on social media that I that I run into that have somewhat similar family backgrounds that but they like went started going to therapy when they like right after they got to college and were able to start the whole healing process much sooner than me and so I'm like why didn't why was I stupid why did it why did it take until I was 33 to do that um but then I remember like it's because your dad was that scary and And it was also my dad and my mom together. Like, my mom set the status quo for the family. And I knew, like, that whole time that if I went against it, then um, I might possibly lose my family. And I didn't, nobody wants to go through that, so I didn't. But I still sometimes wish that somehow I could have done this sooner just because I wish that I could have been younger when I figured it all out, because I, I just, I still kind of hate the fact that I spent, like, 33 years stuck like that, like, I am at this, it's a weird, it's, it's like a back and forth kind of feeling, you know, if you, if, if you can't get the idea that this episode is basically me feeling, like, two opposing things at the same time, but that's essentially it, like, I am so grateful and so glad that I did start it when I did and because I am much happier now but I still always will kind of wish that I could have done it like 10 years sooner so that I would have had spent so many years so miserable 
But at the same time, it's like when I look at my traumatic history, that is so much stuff. And like, like generational trauma with my mom's side of the family and my dad's. And yeah, it makes sense why it took me that long to do all of that. I just always wish that I could have spent less time in that place if I, if I possibly could have. It's like one of those things, like, even though you understand why it happened, you still always wish that it could have been somehow different. Um, but seriously, um, when it comes to, like, how my dad died, like I said, he died, he had, like, pneumonia, and it just kept accelerating. Um, the thing that's hard about this time of year for me is that it was, like, an ongoing thing for, like, most of the month of March so like every year when it gets to be March it's just always kind of in the back of my mind remembering all that stuff like every week for like three weeks his nursing home would call and give my mom an update and then she would tell us what they said and every week they were like accelerating like I remember like the second week of March they said they were giving him morphine and and like I was repressing a lot of like emotions then but there was a part of me even then that knew like this is bad like if they're giving him fucking morphine that's really this could be really bad and it wasn't for another like two weeks like the end of March that they called in basically had to try to tell us over the phone that he was dying um but and have us go up there to say goodbye but still like it was a whole, like, ongoing process before it finally happened, and, um, like, there's things about that time that I look back on with, like, at least some positivity, like, the week after he died was when I went to go see the Winter Soldier with my friends at the time, um, I'm always grateful for that movie and and like that was like five days after he died and that was like the first time that I felt happy um and like I was very miserable then for a a while after he died so that was like it was nice to have like that movie to hang on to as like a security blanket um when I really really needed it and when I just needed a day to like hang out with my friends and feel happy again and remind myself that I could be happy again. Um, and like one thing that was funny about how my dad died is that his nursing home was like an hour away, like a 40 minute drive both ways from where we lived. And so when my sister and I, um, got out of school or school, and when my sister and I got out of work that day, um, we, we met up at the apart like the apartment where my where we are living with my mom and then drove there together and like the entire like 40 minute drive there we were like how do we do this but we are also like trying we didn't want to like start crying and get really emotional before we even got there because we were gonna have to say goodbye to him and so we wanted to like keep it together at least um when we did say goodbye and so like the entire drive up there we kept listening to like one direction and this was in 2014 
So, like, One Direction were, like, babies. Like, their first CD was, like, the, I think, their first CD. Maybe their first two. Because acts like that, boy bands and stuff, always put out CDs really fast. But I, I do remember that it was, like, What Makes You Beautiful and Story of My Life. We listened to those songs um, a lot because they were, like, so happy. They were just... like super happy sounding music and that was and we listened to other songs but those were that's the ones that I remember is that we kept listening to One Direction (laughs) in the car on the way there and like ever since then that's what those songs remind me of but it, it always makes me laugh because it was fun like we were like laughing when we were doing it because it was just like this situation is absurd but like this is what we have to do, and then, like, on the way home, we stopped at, like, a Taco Bell by my, um, mom's, like, it was, it's, like, that weird sensation of when you're, like, completely overwhelmed by emotions, where my sister and I were not hungry, like, we, we knew we should be hungry, but we couldn't feel, like, the hunger, like, sensations at all, but we knew that we were supposed to eat something. So we just went to this Taco Bell. And we were at the Taco Bell drive-thru. My sister got in an argument with, like, the person at the drive-thru about why they don't have Dr. Pepper. <laughs> and um, this still makes me laugh. Like, every once in a while when we go back to the area where we lived with my mom and we see that Taco Bell, we just, like, laugh or, like, remembering that because it's just silly. Um, it was just, like, one of those things where... I was, like, we were both just, like, laughing as, like, a release of, like, all the emotions we were feeling, because we're, like, well, it, the story basically was the Taco Bell had, like, a Dr. Pepper, like, slushy, like, you know, those freeze things they come up with that I actually really like, um, but they, so she was, like, why do you guys have, like, a freeze thing of Dr. Pepper, but you don't have it as, like, a soda, And so the guy was, like, trying to explain to her about how, like, the syrups that they use for the soda and they use for, like, their freeze things are two different things. And, like, after he explained it to her, she was like, wow, I was being such a big bitch. And, like, that's why we, like, laughed about it because she was like, yeah, I'm being ridiculous. Somebody make me stop talking because it's just, like, one of those things of, like, when you're having, like, the worst day, you just end up doing stuff like that because you're you're just trying to handle what you're going through (laughs) so like those things are things that I still think back on and like laugh um and but like it's just so it's it's so hard to remember like me then and how I felt and compare it to the me now and how I feel now because they're like they're so different and um like those four years between when my dad died in 2018 and I went back to therapy or when he died in 2014 and when I went back to therapy in 2018 were pretty we're we're like not easy at all and like you know when people say like um that you have, that you're having, like, a hard year or something like that, I feel like that was just my life, that, like, every year was hard, every single year, (laughs) it didn't really get, start to get, like, easier until, like, last year, 
um, was probably, like, the first year that I felt like was not horribly difficult, and, like, I still had, like, difficulties and stuff, but it was easier than every other year of my life, like, it's ridiculous when I think about it that way, but, um, like, like, one thing I will say about, like, my dad dying that I thought was really interesting that I realized recently with, like, astrology, like, I know that not everyone believes in astrology, I don't really give a fuck if you do, honestly, I like it, it helps me, and if you're, like, looking, it's, it's not, like, a thing that it, like, predicts what's going to happen to you, necessarily, but it's, like, something you can use to be, like, oh, yeah, like, my son is in the eighth house and people say that this happens to you when your son is in the eighth house and that is that's accurate or like when you're going through something in your life and then you follow like astrology accounts and they say like oh if you you may be feeling this and this and this way this is how you can like help deal with that and it's very explainable and it makes sense for how you're feeling um it's just something nice but like so when talking about like my dad dying in 2014 and how it was basically like the best thing that happened to me um a lot of people in astrology talk about the Saturn return as like this whole big thing because um the concept of a planet of a return happens for like every planet you basically have in your birth chart and so the idea is like that the planet goes back to the position it was when you were born which is why it's called a return and usually when that happens it kind of means that you know like something whatever that planet kind of means in astrology is like something that may almost be like starting new and you can kind of look to see about like what's going on in your life when the when like the return happens to see like how maybe how like the next year or whatever will be because like like for instance with astrology there's like a like a venus return a mars return like actually i'm having those like my my venus is in pisces and it's going to be back in the same position it was when i was born in the end of april And, like, that happens, like, once a year for, like, your, at least for your Venus return. Your solar return is your literal, your literal birthday. Um, like, the, your Mars return happens, like, every two years, I believe. Um, I haven't paid attention to the other, to the other placements and stuff. But, like, the, the Saturn return is a big fucking deal because it, because Saturn moves so slowly, so it takes, like, it it happens, like, every, like, 27 to 30 years, so, and, like, Saturn is this planet that is, that is actually represented by, like, the father, like, your Saturn placement is kind of one of those that can help explain your relationship with your dad, and it's also a planet that's very much about, like, kind of learning lessons, and, so it can be very harsh, like, in 2020, um, there's a ton of planets in Capricorn, and Capricorn's, Capricorn is ruled by Saturn, so, like, before 2020 happened, a lot of the astrology people that I follow were talking about how 2020 was gonna, 
They thought that 2020 was going to be a really hard year. They didn't know that it was going to be a pandemic or anything. But they thought just because of all of those planets being in Capricorn and, and, and because Capricorn is ruled by Saturn, which usually is about kind of teaching you like hard lessons that you need to learn and like, you know, not letting you kind of get away from dealing with that, um, that, that, that the year would be difficult. And so when you have your Saturn return at, it starts when you're like 27 but it's usually what it is, is when it gets back to the same place it was in the sky when you were born. And the whole thing of the Saturn return is like those three years from like your 27 to 30, there'll be like this whatever theme, whatever it happens to be for you, um, will keep like coming up during those years. And then finally, like when you seem to have like worked things through with whatever it's trying to get you to learn, then when you actually hit like the Saturn return like when the Saturn's in the same place in the sky then the world universe whoever you want to put it is supposed to give you kind of like almost like a gift for getting through all of that and so this is one of those like bonkers things about astrology that makes me believe in it is that when I heard that I was like is that when my dad died and yeah that is when my dad died um my he died when I was 29 and I looked up to see and like the my Saturn sign is in Scorpio which explains my dad because like the bad side of Scorpio is very like controlling and overbearing and um and things like that and um and yeah that was him and it, it was back and when he died, Saturn was back in Scorpio. Like, you have, like, degrees on your birth chart. So, like, he wasn't... So, technically, Saturn wasn't in the exact place on my birth chart until, like, November of that year. But there's nothing else that happened that year that would have ever been, like, the thing that I would have gotten as, a, like, a reward for getting through all of that before besides my dad dying because like those couple years like from 27 to 30 was when he like started really struggling with dementia and he was having like a hard time um and my mom was trying to get him into a nursing home which was a huge struggle because like trying to get benefits for somebody is very hard especially when it's someone who doesn't want to leave the house and so it's it's like how are you supposed to prove that they need assistance and stuff if they if you can't get them to leave the house to go to a doctor's appointment and it takes doctors forever to like make any sort of decision so it was very challenging um that was also during during those years was when like my mom got a DUI and was being a jerk um to me and my sister when she got it because we had to go pick her up and she was drunk at the fucking hospital and had to deal with all of that um, she was just being really mean to us that night and then immediately apologized the next day. But still, it was one of those things of, like, seeing her make horrible decisions and make and not be perfect. Um, and then, you know, my dad going into the hospital when I was 28 because he had colon cancer and then finally getting him into a nursing home and then dying when I was 29. Like, there's n nothing else that it could be. And, like, that's what it was for me because that's what I needed, because he was such a controlling part of my life, even though 
he had dementia and everything was different, that control and that, like, fear I had with him never completely went away. It still doesn't completely go away now, although it's much more manageable now. Um, like, it's not like that for everyone. Like, another friend of mine, her, the thing she was dealing with was, um, was, like, health problems. She had, like, a lot of she had a lot of, like, stomach issues, and it wasn't until she was, like, that she had her Saturn return, like, right around the time she had her Saturn return was when she finally stood up to doctors who, like, were hemming and hawing about diagnosing her with, like, um, with all of her, like, food allergies and saying if she had, like, IBS or whatever. She finally stood up to them and, and, like, forced them to like, take a test that, like, led to her finally getting a diagnosis, so that's, like, what it was for her, um, I honestly don't even know what it would be for my sister, I've thought about it, but it's one of those hard things of, like, I don't know necessarily, I can't know really, like, how she feels about my dad, so, like, it's because your Saturn return is kind of based in, like, the idea of your dad, like, how you see them and then how your relationship with them kind of reflects in you it's hard for me to know like how she would feel or what she was going through or like the things that happened in that time when she was turning 30 um which was when I was 32 that like that would be something different although it was kind of similar issues actually my sister also had, like, stomach problems, like my friend did, and she did eventually, like, like, basically yell at a doctor and force them to give her an ultrasound, which led to them finding a, a tumor where she finally got, um, or, like, a cyst, it was, like, a benign just cyst hanging out in there, um, from, like, since she was born, that was causing, that finally was causing problems, and they just took it out, and then she was fine. Um, so maybe it was that. I honestly don't remember when that all happened, but I think that that was kind of the path of that happening was her, like, you know, going through the whole process of, like, advocating for herself and, like, getting help from doctors. That could be it, I suppose. Um, but yeah, that, learning that, like, years after it happened was like, yeah, that makes sense for me that it would be him dying that would like make me finally be able to be free um I guess the thing that I'm trying to say with this episode too is that if you took a really long time like I did to like actually like admit what happened to you and work through all of the trauma you've been through and things like that that's so that's really it's okay like I'm not nice to myself when I think about it because I have a problem with that with, like, being very, um, hard on myself, but, uh, sometimes it takes a long time for us to get to that point, like, it's just, especially the thing with that, too, is that if you're, the pressure of knowing that you're going to fuck up what's left of your family is very difficult, like, I was so aware of that, um, I was aware, as aware as I could be of that when I was growing up. Like, I used to, when I, like, couldn't sleep at night, um, 
throughout all of the years, like, since I was, like, a teenager, I would sit, sometimes when I couldn't sleep, I would sit there and think about how, like, like, does my mom really love me? And it was that simple, like, that very, almost, like, childlike of does my mom really love me? Does my family really love me? Or if I, like, actually am honest about all that they put me through, will they, will they turn their backs on me? And I was never willing to, like, find out the answer to that, because that is so overwhelming to think about until 2018. It took, like, my dad being dead for four years before I was able to do that. But then, but by that point, when I started going to therapy for a couple months, it was only, like, I'd only been doing it for like three months when I finally, when I told my therapist about everything. Um, But I think it was just being in that setting of like wanting to heal, um, wanting to feel better. I finally felt like I was starting to see like the fact that my mom wasn't actually as nice of a person as I thought. So I was finally able to do it. But it wasn't until that age, until I was 33, that I think I could even do that. Because, like, the thing I think about when I um, remember the person I was in, like, 2014 till 2018 is that in, like, 2014 when my dad died, I, right after he died, I got a job at a law firm. And that job was, like, the hell-on-earth job. Like... I always think about the clients at that law office that I actually really liked the clients we were helping because they were people that really needed help. They were, it was a law firm for like workers' compensation cases and most people who were doing the claims were like people who were undocumented because the um, attorneys I worked for were Spanish speaking. And um, so most of them were undocumented employees that were paid like basically nothing got like severe injuries and then the people they worked for were trying to say they weren't really employees to try to get out of having to actually pay them for the horrible um some pretty horrible uh, injuries that they got and so like I actually really liked helping the clients but the attorneys that I worked under were very verbally abusive they were very rem the one that I worked under was very reminiscent of my dad like I can recognize now that I that I had like panic attacks on like a regular basis like almost every day when I was there and I just didn't know how to function but I was so stuck in feeling like things were my fault that I worked there for an entire year before I finally like they actually fired me but like I was looking I'd been looking for jobs for months by that point and, like, literally, like, two days after they, fu- like, the day they fired me, I got a call back about a interview that I, for, like, a job. And, like, t- three days after they fired me, they hired, that new place hired me. So, like, I was only unemployed for, like, two days <laughs> before I got another job. Um, but, like, me during those years, I think the thing that I really needed that I found was like a support system that was outside of my family because like during those years was when like I like 
my friends and I, the friends that I had here, um, we still hung out on a regular basis and everything. But honestly, like, I think the thing that really changed it for me where I was able to, like, go through this whole process was finding the friends that I made online. And, like, it's one of those ironic things, like, I always tend to say when I talk about these people. Because we don't really talk anymore. Like, I have them all pretty much on social media still. And I go back and forth between, like, muting their accounts and unmuting them just because it's hard for me to see them post, especially when I see them, like, talking to each other or interacting still because it just reminds me that these people are all still close friends and I'm the only one that isn't. And even though I think that it's a good thing that um, that I'm not just because I wasn't very good of a friend to them and we also were it was it was not like a good it was a very like important friendship but I also know that there is a lot of like toxic issues so I can't like blame them for not wanting to talk to me or be close with me like that anymore and vice versa and especially because who I am changed so much during the time when we were friends that it's like hard to even know if we have anything in common anymore you know um but the thing with that group of friends that I think was so important was that it was like the a lot of what was rooted in our friendship was actually about like mental health kind of things like it was like that's the thing that I look back on to say like this is the stuff that I this is the these were the sort of people I needed to find I think in order to do all that I did because when all of that chaos started happening I always had those people to kind of fall back on to like they gave me a lot of really good advice and really helped validate me a lot when and when things got really bad with my mom and my sister and everything um in 2018 and 2019 and if I hadn't had them there as support I don't think that I would have made it and it would have been much harder to like stick with what I was doing and not just like give up and go back if I didn't have those people so it's that's the stuff that I think is interesting to think about because like the way that the years went was like 2015 in the summer was when um was chaotic as hell that was when uh may of that year may when was that no july okay sorry i'm i'm like just trying to remember when things happened um so i like the end of may uh was when my job um that horrible job i mentioned fired me in 2015 and i remember this because we are going on our cruise um my dad had life insurance money so this was something that was nice that did happen is he had life insurance money so my sister and I both got like fifteen thousand dollars from his life insurance and of course we were stupid because we were young and spent like all of it (laughs) way too fast but we did have at least have that money for a while and um we used that money to like move into an an apartment after living with my mom for a year we bought like all brand new a couple thousand dollars of brand new furniture from ikea and paid somebody to come and put it all together for us and 
Um, and then we paid for a cruise and we paid for my mom too. We paid for my mom's ticket for the cruise so that she wouldn't have to pay to go. We went in the summertime because that was when my mom, um, was still teaching. So we knew it would be easier for her to go during the summer. And like, we like got like a nicer room than we usually would have. We like bought like excursion things from the cruise line, a couple outside of the cruise line, but we didn't really worry about like money um with like going on the cruise as much because we we're because we were using our the money from the um because we were using my dad's money from his life insurance policy for paying for it and so then in fast forward to like 2015 um my sister had started dating her boyfriend in the year like a couple months after my dad died when we moved my dad died in April and like August of that year was when she started dating her new boyfriend when we had moved into our new apartment for like a month and then she started dating him and so they after like living there for a year we were going to move out and move into like finally moved separately like she moved they moved into their own place and I moved into my own apartment and um so it was a very chaotic time because we were like trying to plan for the cruise we're also trying to move and and then and then like right before I was supposed to do this my job fired me and I got rehired at a brand new job it was like so crazy like I remember the week before like, the couple days before the cruise, like, I wasn't even excited about going on it because I was so stressed out by all of the things that I had to do because, like, we were all moving. Like, my sister and her boyfriend moved into their place. I moved into my place, and my mom was actually moving into her own place. So, like, I'm, I, like, moved into my own place, and I had to, like, quickly try to unpack at least some things in my apartment because I knew I was going to be gone for like two weeks on this cruise like in like three days like I moved in on like a Sunday and we're leaving for the cruise on Thursday and remember like one of the nights I had to go and like sit at my mom's house with her dogs because she had to go back to her old apartment to clean it and um it was just like total chaos like trying to get the apartment clean enough trying to make sure we had everything packed while also trying to move oh my god it was just chaos um but I think that was another big part of why I was able to do it is that I moved out from living with my sister for six years and I like needed that separation almost that like loneliness in a way of being completely alone to kind of work through the things that I was not dealing with on my own and it's, it still took another like three years to get into therapy but I needed to be alone in order to even figure that out like I never would have been able to do all that I did if I was like coming home every day and like living in an apartment with my sister that never would have that never would have worked it would have been hard like it's hard for me um sometimes just trying to talk to her after um trying to work through things in therapy that aren't even necessarily about things that she had done just things with my family and it's hard like it's hard to go and then try to talk to the people within that family when you're trying to deal with all of that stuff I never could have done that and so 
like that first year after we moved out it that was uh really hard like me getting used to living alone and I was really sad and like depressed and felt like rejected like I lived with her for six years and we went through all this shit together just for her to drop me when she found like somebody like that was serious for her like I was a good enough person to live with for all that time until she found somebody else new that's a very asexual problem but it was definitely something I felt um but like during that time in like 2016 was when I started like I started to try to teach myself how to cook I started like working out more and I definitely was engaging in really bad diet culture but I at least was but that was when I like started to learn to cook and started eating better and lost like a bunch of weight and that was also during that time was when me and my friends were like meeting up on a regular basis and all these sort of things were happening and the end of 2015 was when Star Wars like The Force Awakens came out which seems like it wouldn't be a big thing but for my story it was because that was when because that the Star Wars fandom is where I met the group of people that became like my support system when I went through all of this um and so 2016 I remember was with that was a hard year in general but it was also hard for me like as every year was like I've said um but it was like, it was that weird time of, like, online fandom kind of things. I think a lot of people know who've been in them that, like, I had, I was part of, like, the women's gymnastics fandom, but, and had, like, some friends from there, but, like, some of the friends, I had a really good friend from, in that fandom that actually lives in, like, Spain, and we used to leave each other, um, voice notes on, like, Telegram every day, and, um, and even though she, like, lived across, like, the world, it didn't matter. We talked about these things that were really important to us. Like, she was another big part of me getting to this point of being able to go back to therapy because she actually was a therapist at one point. She had really bad family like mine, and so we would talk back and forth about that stuff on a regular, on a daily, on a, basically, like, a daily basis, not just talk about that talk about a lot of different things but that was one of the things that we did discuss and um and uh and so like in 2017 was so like I had that friend um in 2016 that was really um her name's Nina is that was really good for me to like have someone that kind of start opening the door to start thinking about going back to therapy seriously like 2016 when the election happened um was also another big thing because that was what caused me to switch jobs um the the law firm that I worked at I really liked it but it was really small it was just one attorney and one other worker besides me and because of that, they didn't offer, like, health insurance, and so when Trump won the 2016 election, I was like, well, I have to figure out a way to get insurance. I have to, like, look for a new job, because, um, I wanted, I didn't want to be without insurance anymore in case something happened, 
and I had it in my mind of like I should go back to therapy I struggle with anxiety and depression I couldn't I never even said out loud before that I was depressed then really it was hard for me to even even just say that but I knew that I had problems with that and I wanted it to be better and so I knew at some point I would at least have to have health insurance in order for me to do that um and so I wanted to find a new job and literally like a month after looking for it a friend someone that I worked with at the horrible law office that I worked at she got a the place she got a job was at this big law firm and that was the last law firm that I worked at they were looking for people and um and so I interviewed there and got the job and like now I look back at that and I'm like like everything kind of worked out I guess the way that it did so I'm not gonna I know like I'm glad that I'm in the place that I am now but at the same time I was one of the things that I did during all of these years of my life before I went back to therapy and everything is that I always had instincts about things I just didn't listen to them because I didn't like trust myself and I also just didn't want to deal with any of that so like when I applied for that job I was pretty sure like that person wasn't that was one of those friends that like didn't treat me well at all and I just kind of let them walk all over me um who I I don't talk to this person anymore (laughs) and um and so I she told me how I remembered about this place when she first told me about it that because it's such a huge law firm if you refer someone to work with you at that place um and then they you know stay employed there for like six months then you get like a pretty substantial like bonus um and she was like hey so if you stay if they if you get hired and stay here for like six months I'll you know I'll split like the bonus with you it ended up being like 400 and something dollars um that we both got and like I remember at the time thinking that like I couldn't really trust this person that they probably that because they were one of those people that like would say things like that because they just wanted extra money and weren't really thinking about the fact that they were having me come and work at this new place and that I might, that I might not, that it might not be, like, a good place for me to work at, um, but they, like, didn't care if that was true or not, they just wanted, if they, they knew that I likely would at least last long enough to, like, get a check, because, yeah, because, like, legal work like that was not the thing for me, like, super detailed work like that, where the details are everything, uh, when you, especially when you have PTSD and, and executive functioning issues, that is not at all what I should have been doing. Um, so I definitely struggled with it, which is why I don't do it anymore. <laughs> and, um, but like, she didn't care about that. And there's like, like, I remember thinking that at the time, but just not paying attention to it because I was just like, whatever, like, that's just how I was that I didn't pay attention to the things that I thought, like, I didn't pay attention to my, like, actual opinions or my intuition or whatever I was just like well I have to find a place that has health insurance that was the way I justified it so like right in the very beginning it was like two weeks into January of 2017 I got that job and and started working there and then had 
good health insurance. And during that year, when I worked at that job, was when I found the friends that became super close friends of mine in the Star Wars fandom. Like, I can so clearly remember being at that job and like part of the thing with that job is that everyone kind of worked in like these cubicle things so you just had like your desk and they just kind of left you there to work they didn't like micromanage you in the way that the other law firms that I had worked at like smaller firms did like I didn't when you work at like smaller law firms you have to like answer the phone for like like be like almost the receptionist a lot of the time and you have to do, like, little things like that, like, check the mail or, or like, and just little, like, office kind of supply things that you wouldn't have to do at a big firm like that. So, like, the fact that I worked at this huge firm where I didn't have to answer the phone unless somebody directly asked for, they, like, sent a call directly to me because it was for, it was a call that was directly asking for me, um, and things like that meant that I had, that I could just, that all I had to work on was my actual, like, work. I didn't have to do any of those other tasks that I had to do at every other place that I worked at. Um, and so because of that, I was, like, trying to find a way for me to focus best at this job. And the way that I've, that I figured out was to, like, listen to podcasts, listen to audiobooks, things like that when I was, like, reading through people's records, I still do that now, like, when I work at my job now, I work from home during the day, but I, like, lay in, um, I lay in my bed and, like, well, kind of sit up on my bed, but still half laying down, and I listen to podcasts and YouTube videos and listen to music and all that during the day, like, it's nice because I don't have to um, wear headphones now since it's just my own apartment so I don't have to worry as much that I'm like listening to it too loud because I always listen to music too loud for people in offices um but yeah like that's I was doing that then and because I was like trying to find things to like listen to in the interest that I had like during the day when I was working um I was like listening to all these different Star Wars podcasts and I had, I had already made one friend in this group, and then, um, and then in, like, 2000, like, this was 2017, so, yeah, I made one friend, um, that ended up being part of that group already for a couple, for, like, a couple months or so, just randomly, we ended up just kind of, I forget even what made us start texting it was something very random like she like sent me a code so I, that I could get an audiobook for free that I was wanting to listen to like a Star Wars audiobook like we were kind of just like casual friends on Twitter and then after that became like really good friends when we started talking and um then a couple months after that I started I heard like a podcast that was done by the other people that became super close friends of mine it was a a podcast about Star Wars novels which is why I was listening to it because I always have loved reading those books like I honestly am starting to think about wanting to like read some of the books I've always wanted to read that I like knew that I wanted to read but because I was so depressed I didn't in the last like four years or so like that's the part that I miss the most at this point like even more than like the movies or tv shows or whatever is the books 
I've always loved reading the Star Wars books. That was, like, how I got into it when I was in high school, too. Um, and so I can, re- I can remember, like, listening to their first episodes and, like, and, like, talking to their, um, in, like, Twitter account. And, um, and I can so clearly remember DMing one of them and being like, hey, you said you have PTSD from, like, your abusive mom. I didn't know you could get PTSD from, um, from not being a veteran. Like, she was the, that person was the first person who ever even brought that up as an option for me. Um, which was in 2017. And that podcast, those people from that podcast were a big help for me when it came to, like, actually going to therapy because like even though I had health insurance for the entire year of 2017 I still didn't like I kept I knew about the psychology today like referral service because of my favorite murder I listened to my favorite murder um in 2016 I got really into that podcast and listened to it a lot until 20 when everything started happening with my own trauma in 2018 I I basically stopped listening to true crime podcasts because the stories were just too similar to, um, what I was going through. And when you're already super depressed, hearing super depressing stories don't exactly help any. (laughs) Um, but like, because of that podcast, I knew about that referral service and I knew that it existed. So like every couple months in 2017, I would Google that and, like, look up the people that were on there and, like, think about contacting them and then just get so scared about and, like, so anxious about actually doing it. Like, the idea, I feel like the idea of therapy, like, going into an office and, like, sitting down and talking to a stranger about the most intimate details of your life sounds really scary before you do it, but once you actually go to the appointment, it's never quite as bad as you imagine, but... basically the entire year of 2017 was me looking at that every couple months and like seeing that people were there but getting too scared to actually make an appointment um and then in and then I made when I made like that friend those friends that did that podcast on that podcast they talked very openly about just like going to therapy they would mention what something their therapist that said or they would, like, talk about how they were having, like, a hard week that week because they were changing prescriptions because, like, the antidepressant they were on or whatever weren't, wasn't working as well. Or they would talk about how they were having a hard time sleeping or or whatever. Or one of them had, like, the had intermittent leave, which is something you can get at your job when you have a disability where they where they, you are allowed to, like, miss time for whatever reason, and even though you don't get paid for that time that you miss, they can't, like, hold it against you or have it as a reason to fire you or anything, like, I actually tried to get that for myself before, like, right around when COVID was hitting, so I didn't actually go through with it, but, um, yeah, that's something that you can do at your job, um, but anyway, they, they just, like, talked about all of that. They made therapy sound very normal. They made the process of, like, taking medication sound really normal and approachable. Um, and it made it, like, a real, like, just kind of having that, like, in my mind for all those months made it a lot easier for me to actually 
like go through with it and like the first friend that I made before I met these other three people is kind of one of those funny things where the first like six months of our friendship we didn't really mention mental health like I mentioned like oh I have some problems with anxiety like I very much downplayed it of course um but like she herself said like she didn't have any issues with that but then like after the first like six months or so we both ended up having like going through a lot of hard stuff almost at the same time like part of the thing that's hard for me when I think about that group of friends is that person like she I I just it's so hard watching somebody struggle with similar things as you very different situation like her parents were not abusive in the way that mine were but still like having big issues especially there were like issues she was dealing with with sexual assault related things and um it was so hard after I got a grip on myself in the beginning of 2020 it was really hard and honestly even before that it was hard with her to see her struggling with similar-ish things as me and and it was one of those things where we are both kind of like triggering each other because we are going through similar things but we are both kind of like flailing and didn't really like have like a grip of what we were doing or how we could be harming each other and um it's hard for me to think about that now because um it's hard for me to be around it's so hard to be around people that you know need help and you know like what they really need to do and you know that they know what they really need to do but they but you also know that there's nothing you can do to get them to do it before they're ready like this is this whole episode is me talking about the journey of how I got to the point where I was ready but it's also like I can't it's so I can't just sit there and like watch somebody I love and care about very much like you know be hurt and not and know how much how hard that is and just sit back and like watch them kind of be in pain and not want to do something about it so the only way I could handle that was by not really being around and like that person that I'm talking about like her her like stepmom died last year which was really hard um which would be really hard anyway without other things already still having to be dealt with already being out there I remember like last year um I was trying to talk to that group of friends at the time and I follow like I followed that the person I'm talking about on Twitter and she did the thing where she soft blocked me which is the thing where you like follow someone and unfollow and unfollow them really quickly which makes them not follow you anymore it's basically a thing that people do to get someone to like unfollow somebody without them having to without the other person knowing that they did that um so it's a way for you to almost like get someone off your page without having to do the confrontation basically and so I realized after like a couple weeks of not seeing like her tweets I realized that she like soft blocked me like she didn't want that I wasn't following her anymore and so like and I knew and like right around that time was when her stepmom died so I knew that and it's one of those things of like even if I want to talk to these people 
she needs help right now she is like the priority she's like where I was when I was the one that really needed that help and support um so I just like completely step back from them and still do because I'm like I don't know how she feels about that and I don't want to force anything or make anyone interact with me um because she still likely needs that help um and she's what is the most important not me I can I'm at least at the point at this point now in my life where even though I'm really lonely I can handle it um and I can be alone and be okay um she would isn't and like I wouldn't have been like that um just a couple years prior so it's like I know that I couldn't step back so I did um but anyway just to go back into like the story of everything of like the timeline of how this all happened um so yeah that's that's so in like February of 2018 the very beginning of February was when I went back to therapy but like that's what took all of that to for me to go back was I had like this core group of friends that I talked to online that were all very like well-versed in mental health that we're all in there we were all in therapy literally all of us we're all taking medication um at least like two two out of the other um four people there's like five of us including me the so out of the four of them two of them had like hard relationships with their parents too um so when I started telling them about what was happening um they were obviously really upset but like also not completely surprised just based on what I had already kind of told them about how my parents were that it wasn't completely out of the picture for my dad to do something like that or my mom to do what she did um but like it took all of that for me to get to that point it took like me and my sister not living together anymore me being used to living by myself me making a friend online for a couple years to help me like start the process of of like talking about my own mental health and being vulnerable and talking about the anxiety that I have and then finding another core group of friends that were very open and honest about their mental health which made me want to do it which made me want to actually go back and start feeling better and being happy like it's so funny that like when I went back to therapy all I was thinking I was doing was to get help with like coping mechanisms for my anxiety and depression I was so in denial about everything um that I wasn't thinking about any of it and then of course like three months later it all came out anyway um but uh I I don't know I think the thing I was just trying to say with this is that like that was my process of all the kind of things that I had to do like the support systems that I needed to get the kind of things that I just needed to figure out in my own head before I could have ever before I could get to the point of like actually working on everything that I've been through but like like I said in the beginning of this episode none of this would have ever happened if my dad was still alive 
none of it. I never would have been able to get past that in order to even start it. It would have almost been hard. I feel like it would have been harder, way harder. Because even if I met these people and I still wanted to go back to therapy, I would have been fighting with myself about telling anyone or doing anything or anything like that about what happened with him if he was still here. And if he, especially if he was his, like, frail self. Like, that would... It would just have been even harder than it even already was. And I... Like, it was already hard enough. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I guess... I just wanted to try to normalize the best that I could. The idea that, like, sometimes your parent dying is the best thing that's ever happened to you. It doesn't make you a bad person to realize that. It's just a fact of life. Like, my dad controlled... My dad and mom, by proxy, controlled, like, everything to do with my life. Like how I acted, my personality, who I thought I would be, the job that I worked at, who I thought my friends were, how I treated people, the amount of, like, dysfunction, emotional dysfunction I had in my life. It was all, like, connected to them, and the only way that I could have, that I could have ever, like, figured out who I really wanted to be, and, like, how to actually be happy, like, who I really am as a person. Um, was if he was gone. It's like the only way. <laughs>